Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, how you doing? Oh, you can do a bit in there. You need some attitude in it. Turn to your neighbor, look them in the eyes, and them right in there, in the eyes of their eyes, and say, how you doing? Oh, sorry, Andrew. That's right. How you doing? Hey, I got you. I got you. Hey, very cool. Very cool. Uh, it's good to be here. We flew in uh, this morning from Christchurch. Em and I have just been traveling the country for fun. We were, um, we were down there for a wedding uh, and to see my mum and dad and more importantly, my dogs. No, wrong order. My, my dog is more importantly my mum and dad. Um, but it was really cool. But it's great to be here. You know, it was, it was exciting. Um, Flying in this morning, we, we timed our flight just right, obviously, through, you know, sheer organizational brilliance um, to be coming in from the south, obviously, although sometimes, you know, they do, they turn around, you have to land from the north if there's, you know, wind and stuff. But um, we were flying in from the south, and we're flying in at just the right time to see uh, the, the five naval warships um, coming into the Wellington Harbour, which was an awesome sight. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it is the 40th anniversary of the, the Navy in New Zealand, uh, and so we've got um, a ship from America, from Australia, from Canada, and just two of our ones, maybe? Two other ones. There's, those are the small ones, the <laughs> little dinghies behind. Um, but no, we've got an awesome navy. Um, but they were just coming in, and it was. It just reminded me of the fact that, uh, you know, as a country, we can feel like, hey, we're on the the bottom. I was going to say a different word. Uh, the, the bottom of the world, um, and, and we're, you know, we're we're kind of here and, and we're isolated. And we're on our own, but. You know, we're not, and, and as a church, we can feel like, you know, we're in Wellington and we're doing our thing and, and we're just here. But, but at the same time, in, in the same way that Wellington and, and New Zealand are a part of something a lot bigger, you know, it was, it was amazing that the earthquake happened and we needed naval support in specifically Kaikoura. And it just so happened that there was, you know, these amazing naval warships from across the other side of the world here to, to celebrate the, the 40th anniversary of the Navy. You know, I just think it's, it's awesome that we serve a God who, you know, just let's say from the pulpit, God doesn't make earthquakes happen, right? It's not God's judgment. He's not coming against people. It's not because he's angry that the world does not groan under the weight of our iniquity and therefore have earthquakes, right? Um, if you want to discuss it with me afterwards, we can do that. That's fine. I'm more than willing to, right? But, but when earthquakes happen, God uses people to, to do stuff. And I just want to say, you know, Dougal uh, already said it. If, if, if you're affected by the earthquake, if, if you need support as a church, we want to be your family in more than just words. We want to be your family in expression. We want you to feel loved. And, and, and at the moment for you, it might feel silly, right? You might be thinking, man, my earthquake thing is just I'm really nervous. You know, we were talking out in the foyer and I was talking to some people that, you know, at the moment it's just, it just makes them a bit nervous to drive through tunnels, that's fine, right? You don't, you don't have to be back to normal like that. But, but don't pin up whatever you're feeling. Don't, don't, um, don't be anxious on your own. Don't, don't be nervous on your own. Um, be together. Let, let's be family. You know, we, we sent out uh, my number in, in a text um, last week and, and on Facebook. And I just want to encourage you, you know, I've, I've got my phone on me all the time. Um, if, if whatever's happening, just flick us a text. Flick the, um, the Facebook page, a, a message, whatever it takes. And we just want to support you. Is that all right? Very cool. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're supported. You're supported. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's been an interesting week, yeah? Who's, who's thought that it's been a, a pretty interesting week? You know, about, about a fortnight ago, uh, Donald, 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 Donald Trump was uh, elected president-elect of the United States, right? Which uh, I don't know how you feel about politics, but it's interesting. Um, and, and it was really interesting. You know, with, with that that happened um, and, and, and with the earthquakes, you know, no, I'm, just, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But every November we um we, we gather together and, and we, we have this 
period of time, this, this month that we set aside, where we intentionally focus on this idea of thanksgiving, where we intentionally focus on this question of what does it mean to be thankful? And, and, and maybe even to pull it back a bit, why be thankful? Right? Well, what, what's, the, what's to be gained in being thankful? And I think it's really important as, as Christians that we have seasons, that we have a, a calendar, that, that we're, we're intentional about focusing on specific things at specific times so that we don't miss them. Right? And, and, and so the, for us, November is just a chance to, to focus on Thanksgiving. And this morning, I, I really want to talk into to two ideas. I want to ask, um, and two questions, and hopefully by the end of this morning, we'll, we'll have a bit of an answer. I want to ask the question, first of all, why be thankful? Right, like, you know, are we just running out of things to talk about because it's November and we're like, hey, Thanksgiving, that, we can do that for a couple of weeks. And, and the second thing I want to talk about is, is where does Thanksgiving start? Right, if we can figure out that being thankful, that, that expressing Thanksgiving is, is a good thing to do, how do we start doing it? So, so to start, what I'd like to do is um, I want to turn to Romans chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. I'm going to read from the NLT. We'll read that, then we'll pray, and then we'll get started for reasons. Uh, we'll chuck it up on the screen. Every time. It's almost like they know I'm going to do it. Uh, Very cool. Uh, It it goes like this. This is Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, wroting, wroting, goodness gracious, wroting, just go with it, own it. He's wroting to the church in Rome. Uh, and, And he says this, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark And confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. When you bow your heads with me and let's pray. God, I thank you that we can be here together. God, that that we can be your people. God, that that we can be a family and, and more than just name. That we can gather together as a people turning our eyes towards you, God. God, listening into what it is you're saying. God, listening into to who it is that you are. God, and as we're here this morning, help us to, to not miss you as you're in our midst. To know that you are with us. To know that you love us. To know that you want to speak to us in this place. God, thank you for your love. I pray that we would leave different than when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, one, one other thing just before I start that I wanted to mention is uh, next week we've got a, a really cool service plan. I'm, I'm really excited for it. You know, often you have the honor and privilege of, of hearing myself speak, which I'm sure you all enjoy immensely. Um, but next week we've got a tag preach lined up and we've got um, M and, and Rachel and Amanda. And I just want to encourage you, you know, um, I, I think as a church, sometimes we um, don't see our, our nose for our face. Is that the saying? Sure, it is now, right? What, what I mean is, is, is sometimes we, we don't realize that we have awesome people right in front of us, and as a result, we miss what they might be carrying, right? And, and I'm really excited. I, I thoroughly believe that, that next Sunday is going to be significant. So I'm just, if you're wondering, if you've been having conversations with people at church, uh, at, at work, or friends and family, and, and you've been thinking about inviting them to church, I just want to encourage you, maybe next Sunday is a great Sunday that they can come along and they can hear a, a, a fresh perspective on what it means to be Christians, what it means to, to be thankful. You know, it's going to be one of those services where it's, it's personal stories, it's examples, it's what does being thankful mean to them. And, and, and they've lived amazing lives, they've, they've done amazing things, they're doing amazing things, right? And I know there's, there's something that I'm looking forward to learning, so who could we bring along to learn something? Is that all right? You know, the, the other thing, just as a side thing, maybe we'll get to my sermon one day, um, but, it, you know, I, I was really convicted, um, I guess, uh, six months ago, um, I, w- I was standing here in church and I was like, man... 
Um, actually, it was, it was at Equip Her, which was eight months ago, a while ago. Um, but I was, I was standing up there, right, in the, in the balcony area. And, and Equip Her, for those of you who don't know, is kind of, um, it, it's a, a women's conference that we, we host here and, and a bunch of people from around the Wellington region come to. And so as a result, long story short, this whole floor was full. Right, and for those of you who don't know, I went to the school, and I spent a lot of time sitting up there in assemblies when I should have been listening to my principal, Prue Kelly, but instead I was daydreaming about what would it look like for a church to fill this room? What would it look like to, to see the, the seats pushed up against the wall? Because there are so many people here who, who are finding hope, that there are so many people here who are, who are finding meaning. And, and at Equip Her, I, I saw an example of it. I, I saw a window into, into what I believe is God's future for us. And, 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 and it sometimes happens. I got inspired, and, and then there was a gap between the inspiration that I had and where we currently were. And so I got a little bit frustrated. It's like, man, why... Why aren't we there? You know, where is, where is God moving? And, and I'm not saying that, you know, God calls churches to, to be wherever they're at. God can move in our church and is moving in our church now. He's not going to wait for us to be big. He wants to do big things now. But at the same time, I was, I was frustrated about it. And then kind of God did that thing where he's like, pow. I was like, ouch. And he was like, well, no one, you know, you haven't filled that seat. And Jono, you haven't filled that seat. And Jono, you haven't filled that seat. So how is anyone else going to fill these seats? If you're standing on the front row and they give you the honor and the privilege of holding a microphone and you can't even fill, you know, three seats, how can you stand up there and expect other people to? So I was like, oh, okay. And then I realized that actually I don't really have any significant relationships with people where I could invite them to church and it wouldn't be like a weird contrite. They know that I'm a pastor and I'm just kind of throwing a thing out there and they're like, yeah, okay, whatever, bye. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have one of those significant relationships where they're like, actually, I understand what you're saying. You value me as a person. And because we've got a strong, significant relationship, I would like to come on to church. So I was like, okay, so the first thing I need to do is start building those relationships. And so for, for me, the, the past kind of eight months have been just a, a real journey in building those relationships. How do I be a Christian at work? How do I be encouraging? How do I point people towards God? And, and it's exciting, you know, for, for me, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after I'm preaching um, out in Lower Hut in the evening, in their, their 5 p.m. service. Um, and a couple of my friends from work are coming along. You know, and, and it just made me realize that, that there's, there's things that... You know, I didn't do anything. I just kept on being intentionally friendly. I kept on having intentional conversations. But, but once that fire was lit in my heart, once there was a dream there, I started seeing the opportunities I'd been missing. I started praying into the spaces that I'd been ignoring. And I just want to encourage you, you know, maybe you've got a dream here this morning. Maybe you've got something in your heart, a desire. You want to see something change. You want to see friends and family in the seat next to you. Don't let the, the space between what you dream and what you see and where you are, don't let that frustration cause inaction. Right, let that frustration motivate you towards doing something about it. Just take small steps. You know, I still remember uh, Pastor John Malcolm's sermon a couple of months ago that, you know, mountains are moved inch by inch, you know, bit by bit. Is it all right? Very cool. That's not my notes. That's nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But uh, let's, let's get back onto that. I'll trim some stuff off the other side. So, so the first thing, the first question that I want to ask this morning is why be thankful? Right, we, we talk about Thanksgiving, but, but why be thankful? And I think, to be honest, that this is a pretty simple question. I think, to be honest, we, we really all understand this, but I just wanted to, to recover it. My, my first point this morning in answer to the question, why be thankful, is because Thanksgiving brings perspective. You know, Paul says in Romans that without thanks, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise or maybe even pragmatic. They instead became utter fools. See, th thanksgiving, but by being thankful to God, by acknowledging Him, the way I like to think of it is it, it brings light into our lives. You know, I, I have a thing that happens to me um, around about once a week where um, 
it's, it's evening time, and I'm in the lounge, right? And Emma has gone to bed, and, and as a result of going to bed, she shut the door to keep the warmth in the bedroom because Emma um, looks at our power bill and doesn't let me just run heaters whenever I want, right? What a killjoy. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. But um, so she shuts the door to, to keep the heat in the bedroom because she's very, you know, sensible. And so there I am, I'm sitting in the lounge, and the reason that Emma isn't in the lounge with me is because maybe I started playing video games, and maybe I was like, just one more, you know, game of NBA, and I'll be in bed in 20 minutes, and it's an hour later, and she's gone to sleep, and I've let myself down once again. Uh, but there I am, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, all right, Jono, stop being an idiot, you have to go to work tomorrow, get up, go to bed. It's very late, it's almost 9.30. Um, and, and so I, it's not the time you guys go to bed? Um, and, and so I get up and, and I turn off the light in the lounge, right? And then uh, right next to the lounge is our hallway, as, as most houses are often laid out. Uh, and I step into the hallway and there's a light switch in the hallway. Um, and, and so I know I'm going to have to turn off the light switch in the hallway or else I'm going to get to the bedroom and the light in the hall is still going to be on. And then if Emma finds out, I left the hall light on all night, right? Oh. So I, um, I, I turn off the light in the hallway. And all of a sudden, what I once could see is now plunged into darkness, Right? And, and I know our hallway, but, but all of a sudden, what, what felt like a wide and spacious hallway now feels in my heart of hearts to be a tightrope, right? And so I know that there are things that have been placed around the hallway. And so I start walking, and I do that thing where you, I don't know why, when it's dark and I can't see, I close my eyes. Does anyone else do that? I'm like, can't see, might as well close my eyes, right? Who knows, I might be able to see something with my eyes open, but now I close my eyes. So I'm like, and I'm walking along, and I'm walking along, and I'm doing good, I'm like, two steps, good, two steps, Good. And then I step on like that thing, that bag that's been strategically placed in the middle of the hallway and I, and I slip on it and, and I grab something and I open the cupboard and all the linen falls on me and I'm lying there on the floor and I'm just like, ah, why do I do this every time? Right? And I hear Em's voice come from the bedroom. Babe, did you fall over again? Yeah, I did. But Thanksgiving can be like that in our lives, right? So often, I don't know about you, but so often in my life, I can find myself in, in what feels like a dark space what feels like a, a dark hallway where all of a sudden I'm, I'm not sure of what's in front of me. I'm not sure of what's behind me. I'm not, I'm not sure of the things that are to my side, but, but everything feels a little bit unnerving. Maybe for you, this, this week has been like that. You know, maybe with the, the earthquakes and, and with the current kind of things happening in the world, you, you feel just a little bit like you're in the dark. And I, I think what, what Thanksgiving does is it's, it's like light. Thanksgiving, light doesn't change the room. Light changes the way that we see it. You know, Thanksgiving might not change the way that your life is in a moment, but it changes the way that you see it. It changes the way that, that you can interact with it. See, I think that Thanksgiving lets us see our pressures and our, and our opportunities and our circumstances and our situations and our lives and our environments, what's, what's happening around us, not just as we see it, but Thanksgiving opens us up to God's perspective which is needed because I don't know about you, but, and I don't know where, where you fall on the political spectrum, but, but when Donald Trump won the presidency, for me, all of a sudden, I felt a real visceral despair. All, all of a sudden, I was worried about the world. I was, I was concerned about the Paris Climate Agreement, that, that there was going to be a, a withdrawal from that. I was, I was concerned that torture was going to be endorsed. I was concerned that, that families were going to be targeted in war. I was, I was concerned that, that, that vulnerable immigrants would, would be sent back to the places they'd been trying to flee from. And, and I got into this place of a bit of hysteria, right? Everyone around me at work's political, and we're all talking about, man, this is the end of the world. Right? And so there I was, I was having my own little stress, and, and I was just panicking about it. And, and I went on Facebook, and a friend of mine, uh, Pastor Mike Wilson from the mighty town of Westport, wrote this on Facebook. The future of the world ultimately doesn't depend on the American election, because Trump isn't 
Jesus perspective. And all of a sudden, all of the, the fears that have been kind of crowding in on me, all of the despair that have kind of been approaching me, all of a sudden it just kind of pulled back and I realized, actually, that's true. Actually, you know, as, as scary as I might consider Donald Trump to be, as scary as I might consider the, the, the movement of the current kind of political status of the world to be, in perspective, it, it, it might be scary and it might be bad, but it's not the end of the world. See, when we, when we fail to thank God, when we, when we fail to turn on the light switch and let God into our lives, we remove ourselves from the light and we are in a place of darkness. See, God made the world and he made it light and life, but when we lose sight of God, we are sentencing ourselves to a world of darkness and of death. And when we have a, a dark and confused mind, we end up looking at something and we only see the bad, right? We, we see something and we say, there's no way I can get out of this. There's, there's nothing I can do to get past it. This is where I am for the rest of my life, right? That's my chance and I blew it. We have this utter feeling of, of helplessness. And when we fail to turn on the light, we end up stranded in that darkness. See, Thanksgiving isn't necessarily a change of circumstance. It's a change of perspective. It's when we say thanks to God that, that we turn on the light, that God says in all circumstances give thanks because if you just lost your job or if you've just gone through a hard time or, or if you've stuffed up or you lost a business or, or you've lost a loved one, if everything is going wrong, the last thing you need is to forget to turn on the light and lose perspective on what you have left. See, the last thing you need is to stick yourself in darkness and have your mind and heart become dark and confused. Right, God might say that this has happened to you, but don't let darkness overtake you. Give thanks and turn on the light. It might feel like the last thing you want to do, but it works, right? Because you step into the light. So I, I just want to first of all just say that I think that, that for me is why I need to be thankful. Because it brings me perspective. It brings me a light into the darkness of my life. But, but if that's why... We need to address how, yeah? How do we be thankful? So what I'd like to do is turn with me to Luke chapter 7, and we're going to read uh, verse 36 to 47 in the message version. Say yes when you're there. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, it goes like this. We're, we're going to read. Um, we're going to read through this. I'm going to read it very uh, nicely and quickly, and, and we're going to have a little look at this question. Where does Thanksgiving start? How do we be thankful? So it says this, one of the Pharisees, which by the way, his name is Simon, asked him, that's Jesus, over for a meal. He went, Jesus, to the Pharisee's house and sat down at the dinner table. Just then, a woman of the village, a town harlot, having learned that Jesus was a guest in the house of the Pharisee, came with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet, weeping and raining tears on his feet. Letting down her hair, she dried his feet, kissed them, and anointed them with perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man was a prophet, I thought he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is who is falling all over him. Jesus said to him, to the Pharisee, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, tell me, said Simon. Two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 silver pieces, the other 50. Neither of them could pay up, and so the banker canceled both debts. Which of the two would be more grateful? Simon answered, I suppose the one who had been forgiven the most. That's right, said Jesus. Then turning to the woman that's speaking to Simon, he said, do you see this woman? I came to your home and you provided no water for my feet, but she rained tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she has not quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up, but she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? She was forgiven many, many sins, and so she is very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. 
See, so, so some background to this story is that in Hebrew uh, tradition, it was basic courtesy when you had a guest arrive to your house to, to wash their feet or to have someone wash their feet for them, right? For them to be able to, to shed themselves of the dirt of the road, that they were here and now that they could be comfortable, right? They, they, they would walk around a lot and, and they didn't kind of have our schnazzy closed toe shoes. And, and so they couldn't take off their shoes as such, or they could, but they'd still have kind of muddy feet. And, and so it was courtesy to, to wash your guests' feet. It was also just common courtesy, common uh, good manners to, to greet your guest with a kiss, to, to welcome them into your house. And if for you it was an honor, if you felt honored to have this person in your house, you would show that by anointing their head with oil, right? So basically, it was, you know, you didn't have deodorant those days, and so it just made them smell nice. You're like, welcome, now you smell good. And so here Simon is, he's, he's invited Jesus to his house, and, and he hasn't done any of these things. Right, he's invited Jesus into his house, and he hasn't washed Jesus' feet. He, he hasn't greeted Jesus with a kiss. He hasn't anointed Jesus' head. And, and we can take it to mean if he hasn't done any of these things, then, then we could infer that, that maybe he doesn't think it's an honor to have Jesus in his house. Maybe he's brought Jesus to his house because he thinks Jesus is a prophet, and he just wants to test him. But he doesn't want Jesus to think that he thinks Jesus is all that. So he's not giving him any of the, the courtesies or the, the honors of the day. Instead, maybe he thinks that Jesus, who is God, should be honored to be in his, in Simon's house. And so here they are. Jesus paints this contrast, right? This woman who crashed the party, this woman who just shows up, who wasn't invited, and acts in the most extravagant, the most undignified of ways. She, she kisses and weeps over the feet of Jesus, right? And, and this, is, this woman is the, the town harlot. She anoints Jesus' feet when Simon wouldn't even anoint his head. Right, Jesus is essentially saying in this, in this story, in this interaction, Simon, you think it's my honor to be in your house. But this lady, she thinks it is her honor to be in the same room as me. Right, to, to break it down further, he's saying, Simon, you think that you're good enough, but this woman, she knows that she isn't, and so your responses are different. Right, can you imagine Simon the Pharisee hearing this? Right, Simon, the religious leader who has spent his whole life trying to be good, Right, Simon, the religious leader who, who's followed all the rules, who's tried to get it all right, every command, every law, every rule. Right, it's almost as if Jesus is turning to him and saying, the problem is if you spend your whole life trying to be good enough for God, trying to earn God's love, you'll never get there. You'll never be good enough. We can't earn our way into God's good graces. The law doesn't work. And so then here is Jesus saying, Simon, because you've been too good, you love little. Right, because Simon, because you're not sinful enough, you, Simon, you need to be like this woman. She's sinned like crazy. Simon, you need to be like this woman. She's 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 sinned so much. She has such a large capacity for forgiveness and love. Right? Is, is Jesus saying? Is Jesus saying? Here's the solution: to love, to be able to be truly thankful to God, to be able to be truly, you know, in, in tune with God's heart. What we need to do is we should all get up right now. We should run out onto the street and let's just debauchery. Right, I bought, hidden behind the curtain is as much alcohol as you can stomach, right? And we're just going to go get blazingly drunk and just run around on the field in the nude. That's it, guys. That's my sermon. That's what we're doing, right? This is the way that we find God's love. We be as sinful as we possibly can so we understand that we need to be forgiven of much. Right? Is, is that what Jesus is saying? Some people just don't leave right. Don't, don't leave right now. Do go stay. Keep on taking notes, right? This could get messy. Someone's like, oh, that's all I need to hear. I'm going to go to sleep now. Done. Jono told me sin. Awesome. 
Right, but it kind of reads like this is what Jesus is saying. Simon, you've been too good. This woman has sinned a whole lot, right? She's the town harlot. We all know she's sinned a lot. You need to be more like her because now she's forgiven a lot. She, she's much more grateful than you. Is, is that what Jesus is saying? Or, or is he instead saying to Simon, Simon, you see yourself as complete. Simon, your, your self-perception is one of self-righteousness. You don't think that you need much forgiveness. And because you have such a high view of yourself, you have a low capacity for love. See, here's the interesting thing. Simon and the woman, who's more likely to get into heaven? No. Right? Sin is sin. It doesn't matter if you're Simon and you've only done one little teeny tiny sin in your entire life, or you're the woman and you've sinned all the time. Either way, we fall short of God, right? Sin cannot exist in heaven. It doesn't matter if it's one sin or a thousand. Either way, we don't qualify in our ability. So actually, in reality, both have been forgiven the same amount because both get to go into heaven. Both were out and now both are in through Jesus, but there's two different perceptions of who they are. There's one, there's Simon who thinks, man, I'm almost good enough. I almost made it on my own. I just need God to top me up a little bit, right? I'm pretty good. I just need God to kind of push me over the line. And there's the woman who says, man, I could never do any of it on my own. God has done it all. And because of that, I'm so thankful, right? In Paul's first letter to Timothy in, in uh Chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says this, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he adds this, and I am the worst of them all. Right? Why would Paul say that? Paul could literally just look down the road to Rome. And currently in Rome, when Paul is writing this letter, is an emperor named Nero. Right? And one of the things that Nero likes to do for fun is he likes to bring people into his Colosseum and he likes to cover them in tar and light them on fire. Another thing he really likes to do is he likes to feed people to lions, right? Another thing he likes to do, he likes to have people drawn and quartered, right? He likes to whip people. He's not a nice guy, is my point. So if Paul is kind of thinking, man, where in the world do I kind of fit on the sin scale? Who's the worst sinner in the world? Is it me? Let's just look around. Do I see any worse sinners than me? Oh, look, there's Nero over there. I haven't lit anyone on fire this week. He's probably a little bit worse. And, and yet here Paul is talking about himself, saying that he's the worst sinner. See, Paul wasn't making a factual statement. He was talking about how he regarded himself in relation to God. This was Paul saying to God, thank you. Thank you for a gift that I can't earn. Thank you for a love that I can't lose. Thank you for dying for me so that I can truly find life. So you see, what's interesting here is Paul and Simon, they're very similar in their upbringings. Paul and Simon, they're very similar in the things that they've gone through, similar backgrounds. But, but Simon was attempting to earn love, and Paul was just thankful that no matter what, he was loved. So to, to be thankful... We need to be Paul and not Simon, not trying to earn love, not, not placing our faith in our ability to behave, but, but thanking God. And at the same time, not, not glorifying the mistakes that we make. You know, Paul is saying, I'm the worst of all sinners, but he doesn't dwell on his sin. He doesn't say, man, I've done this wrong, and I've done this wrong, and I've done this wrong. And God, are you sure you can forgive me? Because I've also done this, and I've also done this. And I've... It's to realize that we fall short. Not, not to be down in ourselves because of it, not to have a pity party, man, woe is me, I am sin. But to realize, man, I don't make the grade and that's not a bad thing because I never could. In fact, it's a good thing because in my weakness, God is strong. That in my lack, God is much. 
that when I'm on my knees, that's the best place for me to be because I meet God there. That it's not about my ability to behave. I can't make my way in. See, how do we be thankful? How do we be thankful and as a result gain perspective? How do we be thankful and as a result turn on the light? My, my second point is, is we be thankful. Thanksgiving, second point, thanksgiving starts from the unearned, just as I get Wakash up. See, to, to further illustrate this point, what I, want, what I like to do is just quickly as, as, I, as I finish, is I want to turn to Matthew chapter 20, and, and I just want to read you a quick story from there. We'll put it up on the screen. Uh, and this is the story, it's, it's called the parable or the story about the workers. And it, it just goes like this. God's kingdom is like an estate manager who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. They agreed on a wage of a dollar a day and went to work. Later, about nine o'clock, the manager saw some other men hanging around the town square unemployed. He told them to go and work in his vineyard and he would pay them a fair wage. They went. He did the same thing at noon and again at three o'clock. And at five o'clock, he went back and found still others standing around. He said, why are you standing around all day doing nothing? They said, because no one has hired us. He told them to go and work in his vineyard. When the day's work was over, the owner of the vineyard instructed his foreman, call the workers in and pay them their wages. Start with the last hired and go on to the first. Those hired at five o'clock came and they were each given a dollar. When those who were hired first saw that, they assumed that they would get far more, but they got the same, each of them one dollar. Taking the dollar, they, they groused angrily to the manager. These last workers put in only one easy hour and you made them equal to us who slaved all day under a scorching sun. He replied to the one speaking for the rest, friend, I haven't been unfair. We agreed on the wage of a dollar, didn't we? So take it and go. I decided to give to the one who came last the same as you. Can't I do what I want with my own money? Are you going to be stingy because I am generous? Here it is again, the great reversal. Many of the first ending up last and the last first. See, in this story, you might have figured it out, but God is the landowner and we are the workers, right? And in this story, sometimes I read it and I get a slight tick, right? I get a little bit irritated because I understand that if God wants to be generous to everyone in the world, and even if I think that, that God is doing something wrong by being generous to the people that I feel don't deserve it, God isn't actually violating who he is, that God can do what God wants to do. But, but, but how in the story were any of the workers hard done by, Right? They agreed to work for a day for, for $1, and at the end of the day, they got what they were promised, right? The workers could have been celebrating. They, they could have been rejoicing. I got what I was promised. I'm paid. But they couldn't enjoy what they had because they felt that someone else had the same thing, but they didn't feel that person deserved it. See, here's the thing. Isn't this ultimately where discontent comes from? Isn't this ultimately where discontent comes from? The, the feeling that we are not getting what we deserve. Right? It wasn't so much for them that, that they got paid a dollar, but when they saw that, they felt surely if they got a dollar and we've been here all day, we will get far more. We deserve far more. See, maybe sometimes it's from the feeling that we've been good. Right? I've behaved. I, I haven't rebelled against God. So, so where is my reward? Sure, we get eternal life, but everyone gets that. What do I get now? See, in, in Romans 7, Paul talks about the danger of the law. See, see, Paul, like we already discussed, was a rule follower. Paul lived and died by the law. Paul was good in his own eyes. But in Romans 7, he sees his life through a, through a new lens. And what he sees is rebellion. 
See, in, in Romans chapter 7, Paul is, is there and he talks about there are two forms of rebellion against God. The first is what we expect rebellion to look like. Right, the, the, the first is rebellion against God's law, but the second is more subtle, but, but if we're honest, just, if not more common. The second form of rebellion is rebellion against God's grace. See, and Paul struggled with the latter. See, rather than rebel against the law, he used the law to rebel against God. Deep down, Paul didn't want God's grace, or at the very least, like Simon the Pharisee, he didn't think that he needed it. As long as he could check off a list of rules, he could still be in control. And so the thing that was meant to draw Paul to God ended up standing between him and God. See, for me, for so long, grace has been hard for me to grasp because I was the kid who did it well. I followed the rules. I honored my parents. I made mistakes, but, but they never felt too big. They never felt too disastrous. It felt like, you know, it, I was behaving. I was following the law. I was, I was doing things right. And, and I knew in my head that I needed grace. I knew that, that my, 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 my brokenness was in me, but my brokenness didn't feel evident. It didn't feel obvious. I didn't feel dirty. And so my brokenness was in my head, but it wasn't in my heart. And so grace only ever stayed up here. See, here's the thing. To be truly thankful, we need to realize that we are broken. We need to not glorify our brokenness, but we need to realize that we are all broken. We are here in our brokenness. And so for such a long time, I would look at the story of the workers with grace only in my head. And I would get indignant on behalf of those who worked the whole day. And I would end up having a conversation with God. Like, like what do you mean that you'll pay him a day's wages? Right, he worked all day and so he should get a day's wages, but, but he was hired at the end of the day, so he should not get a day's wages. God, I've behaved, I've done well, I followed the rules, I, I did what people said that I should do. It, it seems simple, I should get the good things, other people should get the less good things. Because God, I'm earning your love, don't you get it? God, I'm doing such a great job of impressing you, don't you get it? God, God, I'm behaving. See, sometimes it feels like God knows nothing about people getting what they deserve. See, so often we take this idea of justice and we get it wrong. We're like, the world should be just. People should get what they deserve. But the unjustness of the world is beautiful because the unjustness of the world looks at you and I and calls us clean. The unjustness of the world looks at you and I and says you are loved. You, you were called to be with God. Your sin that should disqualify, your iniquity which should count you out is no longer an issue. The God who is bigger than that, who is stronger than that, looks at you and says you are good, looks at you and says you are clean. And he looks at the person next to you who you've been judging the whole time and says, yeah, they're clean as well because sin is sin and nothing can separate us from God's love. See, after all, God saved you and I, sinful and broken. He made us whole, invested in us what we could never return. God saw you and I, and He decided that we were worth it. And when we start to be thankful for what we can't behave our way into, life comes into perspective. When we realize that, that we are undeserving recipients of the greatest gift, the things that happen to us in life that can be hard, they're still hard, right? Maybe you go for a promotion and you don't get it. That, that, that's hard. Maybe, maybe you're having relationship issues. That, that's hard. Maybe you're having health problems. That's hard. Maybe in, in natural disasters, your, your home and property is damaged. Maybe you feel rattled. All of those things are hard, but all of a sudden, they're not the end of the world anymore. 
all of a sudden who we are is no longer defined by the things around us going right or wrong. They are things that come at us, but they don't define us because we're defined in our thanksgiving to God for who He has made us to be. No longer am I Jono, the, the guy who's at work and who's slaving away and who doesn't feel he's properly compensated. No longer am I Jono who invests into relationships and feels he doesn't get given back what he should. No longer am I Jono who feels like he works hard and tries to impress people and, and feels overlooked. No longer am I Jono who tries and tries and tries. No longer am I Jono the trier. Now I'm Jono the Son of God. The definition of who I am changes, and as a result, the way that I see the world changes. See, it's, it's a full circle. We come back to Simon and the lady and Paul. Because we can still have that ache inside. We can still think that we earned this. But we didn't earn where we are. It was a gift given to us. We couldn't earn the right for Jesus to come into our home. So, so let's choose to be Paul and the lady with the perfume. To avoid having our minds be dark and confused, we need to be thankful. And so what we're going to do in a minute is we're going to distribute the, the communion elements. And if you're here this morning, and, and, and maybe you, this is the first time that, that communion's gone past you, you don't have to take it. But at the same time, you're not, you're not counted out. Here, you know, in some churches, you have to reach a certain stage of doing things before you're allowed to partake in communion. But here's the thing, at this church we believe that communion is a symbol of God's love. And you can't behave your way into God's love. You can't earn your right to God's love. So as it goes past you, maybe you don't feel good enough, but I just want to encourage you, maybe take it anyway. Because to be honest, none of us are. We're not earning our way into God's love. We're accepting a gift that we could never earn, but we're accepting it gladly. So here's the thing, this morning I started and and my, my aim was that at the end of the service, we would answer two questions, right? Why be thankful? And where does Thanksgiving start? See, this morning, we, we be thankful. The answer to the question, why be thankful, is because Thanksgiving brings us perspective. And we start, where Thanksgiving starts is in the unearned. And what I mean by that is it's in realizing that we didn't work our way into this. We didn't earn this love. We didn't convince God to give us a shot. He loves us no matter what. He sees us and He calls us blameless in His sight, and we're not. And it's not something to, to make us feel down about ourselves. That's not meant to glorify our sin. That's not meant to make us feel like we're less. It's to inspire us to the fact that God sees us as more. See, this morning, if, if you take nothing else with you, I'd like you to ask yourself this question. Who makes me what I am? If nothing else, ask yourself that question. Who makes me what I am? This morning, are you acknowledging the source and the deliverer and the strength? This morning, are you thankful? Are we thankful not, not because God needs our thanks? but because we need to be thankful. Are we thankful because we need to be thankful because in being thankful and expressing thanksgiving, it turns on a light in our life. To, to be thankful is to be aware of who God is and what He's done. So this morning as we're here and we, we hold the bread and the wine, 
these physical sacraments to, to remind us of the sacrifice that defines us. Let's remember why we're thankful. Let's remember what our baseline is. That this morning you might not have much, but you have a God who loves you in an assured eternity. Let's not forget what the main things are. And, and let's remember we didn't earn this. And as a result, we can't lose it. It's an honor to have Jesus in our life. So no, let's not accidentally create an idolatry of law or of success or of hardship or of lack. This morning, let's be thankful and let our thanksgiving color everything we do. So just as you close your eyes, I just want us to take a moment to, to think on what we're thankful for. To realize that the thing that we should be thankful for first and foremost is God's love. That we couldn't earn it. But that's a beautiful thing because it was given anyway. That we're not defined by our hardships. That we're not defined by our success. That first and foremost, you and I are sons and daughters of God that He has called us into relationship with Him, that, that He has gone and made a way. And, and, and these sacraments, this, this wine and this bread, this juice and this cracker, they're a reminder of who God is and what He's done. That He's not waiting to see how you perform. He's not waiting to, to judge you, to see how you stack up. He's already died for you. He's given it all. So just in your own time, I just want you to just take that juice and remember that it's God's blood for you shed to make us clean. To take that cracker and remember it's God's body broken for us. That we are sustained not in our effort, not in the law, but in God. So just take a moment. Take that in your own time. the band gets up. You know, all too often, church can accidentally end up feeling like a, like a, cub, uh, a, a club of people trying, like a gathering of people who are working towards something. Like a, a group of people who, you know, may, maybe like a, a rowing team. And we all go out and we, we try and get better at rowing. And then, you know, we come into church and we encourage each other. You can get better at rowing. And we go back out into the world and try and get better at rowing. You know, but here's the thing. It's, we, we want to improve here. We want to grow. We want to increase. But, but that growth and that increase is, is a result of the main thing. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to finish off the service by having the team play the, um, the, the second worship song. But before they do, what I'm going to, I'm going to do is we're just going to chuck up the, the words to the verses. Yeah, I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, music is amazing because it allows me to, to express things that, that I didn't realize I wanted to express. But sometimes words become words, right? And I sing them without realizing what they mean.
I sing them without realizing what they say. And so I just want to read these words to you before we sing them. And then we're just, we're just going to go into a time of response. This is this. Love was in your eyes. Glory cast aside. Silently endured all with me in mind. Grace I don't deserve. Love I cannot earn. Beautiful design. Your face now found in mine. We'll go to the second verse. Heaven open wide. Darkness called to light. Redemption now alive. Forever glorified. See, here's the thing, right? Sometimes we can feel like we're making this work. Like we're trying and we're good and we're keeping the rules or we're not trying. And as a result of not trying or, or of trying and, and failing, we feel like we've made mistakes and our mistakes are us. Like we're, we've fallen short and we're dirty and we feel, we come to church and we feel guilty. See, here's the thing. Thanksgiving is important and Thanksgiving is something that we focus on every year. Because when we're thankful for what we can't earn, our failures become things that we're forgiven for, not things that define us. And I don't know about you, but I know that I have brokenness in me. I don't know about you, but I know that I have mistakes that, that too often I let define me. I know I have things that, that, that I see, and I see in the way of me and God. And I think, God, how are you ever going to get past this thing that I've done, this mistake that I've made, this, this way that I've done things, this thought that I've thought? How, how will you love me when I'm this? And see, Thanksgiving allows us to remember that we're not our mistakes. We're not the things that happen to us. We're not life circumstances. We're loved by God that the things that get put on us, God can take off us. That the things that we think define us don't. And so just this morning, we're, we're about to go into the song, but just before we do, I just want you to stand to your feet. As you stand to your feet, just close your eyes, and if you feel comfortable, just, just raise your hands. I just want to lead us in a prayer. God, thank you that we are who you say we are. God, and I just pray for anyone who's in this room this morning who feels defined by mistakes or, or circumstances of life, who feels that they're separated from your love by something that's happened to them, something that's been thrust upon them, something that's, that's come at them, God. Just right now in this space, in your house, in your name, we just remove those lies. Anything that might have settled on someone, any, any form of feeling inadequate or guilt or shame or, or a weight of sin, God. We just know that you are the weight lifter, God, that you, you remove the, the guilt, you remove the shame, and you forgive the sin, God. Let us stand here in your presence, light and free, clean of the things that have been done to us and the things that we've done, knowing that you love us. God, help us to be thankful because in being thankful, in our thanksgiving, we remind our souls, God, we remind our hearts, God, that, that we are, are just amazingly grateful of your grace, God. God, that your grace would come to us when we couldn't earn it. 
God, that your grace would approach us when we could never approach it. That your mercy would come to us, God. That your love would encounter us, God, when we could never know who you are, when we could never behave our way in, God. When the law would fail us, that you would come to us and you would say, I will die for you, even though you could never earn. I will, I will die for you. I will live a life for you, even though you could never behave your way into it. God, let us be here in this space, reminding ourselves that we are who we are in you, not in our mistakes, not in our faults, not in the things that come against us. God, help us to remember that in our thanksgiving, we find who we truly are. In Jesus' name, amen. See, here's the thing. We're just going to go into a song. And I just want to encourage you, if, if you feel that there's something on you, if you feel that for some reason you feel inadequate, you've believed a lie, you just, you know that, 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 that just the picture I get is you can see God, God's there, but there's, there's something standing in the way. Like that feeling when you're at a concert or a show and you're trying to see the stage, but just, just the tall person in front of you. I want to see, I can't see, and it's just the person. You feel like constantly in life you're kind of weaving and bobbing your head. God, I want to see you, but there's things in the way. We just want to alter, we just want to open up this altar space. If, if that's you and you know that there's something in the way and you just want some prayer for it, you want a prayer to remove the lie that's been standing in the way of you seeing Jesus clearly. I'm going to be at the front, dudes will be in the front, we'll, we have a bunch of people, but we just want to pray for you. And it, you know, if, if that's not you and, and you, you don't want to stand around and, and enjoy the worship, just feel free to go. You know, this, we'll, we officially end the meeting now, right? But, but this altar is open and we can take it as long as we want. God doesn't have to leave at 11.30, neither do you. Is that all right? Cool. Hey, why don't you join the team? And I just don't want to encourage you. If, if you want to respond, come to the front.